0: You're listening to the Scaling Culture Podcast, where we sit down with thought leaders who share their experiences building incredible workplace cultures. Bhavna Barthoff is the Chief Transformation Officer for Microsoft USA. She is recognized as a transformational leader, innovative technologist, STEM advocate, and ally for women and minorities. Bhavna is dedicated to fostering positive, transparent, and collaborative work environments. On today's episode, Bhavna shares the culture shift at Microsoft from know-it-all to learn-it-all.
1: Welcome to another episode of Scaling Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Lovett, and today I'm extremely excited to have Bhavna Barthov with us from Microsoft. Bhavna, welcome.
0: Glad to be here. Thanks for having me uh, be a part of the podcast.
1: I hope it's not too early there. Where are you again? You're Seattle?
0: I am based in Charlotte, North Carolina, so it's... Mm. Bright and early, but not too early.
1: That's right. Well, well, great. Look, I'm I'm really honored to have you. And as I mentioned, I've been following you on LinkedIn, and I love your content. You are putting out some great articles, which I've been. I hope you're okay. I've been sharing them and commenting on them.
0: I actually appreciate that. So thank yeah, you. Yeah,
1: it's been great. So uh, yeah, I want to jump into uh, some topics. I mean, you know, Microsoft is such a well-known company. Um, but before we get to Microsoft, I wanted to talk about your journey. You've got a very interesting path. Bring us through, let's let's talk about kind of how you get into human resources and your personal journey.
0: Sure, so, um, so a little bit about me. So I grew up in India and I came to the US in just to, to do my undergrad, sorry, to do my master's and uh, was at NC State. And from there, Microsoft hired me directly. And I will say, I'm a manufacturing engineer by trade. And so when Microsoft um, contacted me to, for a job, I will say I was a little surprised initially. It was kind of one of those, like, am I on punk? Is this a real job interview? And let's just say I'm here, and, and now 20 years later, it's been a great ride. Um, the thing I love about Microsoft when I was first brought in, it was they really focused on potential, passion, and capability. And you know that investment that they made in me, I think, an employee standpoint speaks volumes which is if someone else believes in you and trusts that you're capable of doing something the commitment that you have in showing up the way that they want you and more i think um, at least worked for me and over the years i've had the ability to do a, a plethora of different roles from being in our you know support engineering team to being a developer consultant to leading um Teams across uh, the Americas uh, in different capacities in our professional services business, to uh, you know, doing some startups for Microsoft, you know, introducing new things um, to customer success, and now I actually lead um, tra- the transformation strategy for our U.S. sub, which is about a forty-six billion dollar business and roughly about ninety-eight hundred employees, um, and and it's it's exciting to know that past experiences and being a part of experiencing cultural shifts, experiencing transformation and change, and now being able to do it from having that representation of, you know, being the receiver to understanding how it works in the field to being able to deliver it has been a pretty great ride.
1: Look, that that's amazing, you know, but I want to go back to the beginning. It sounds like that must have been a lot of pressure. You know, you said, look, they just kind of gave me the tools and believed in me. Some people probably aren't going to make it through that you know because that you, you're kind of put to the test out of the gates, correct
0: oh so I will say that that you know that statement you made is you are put to the test you know right off the bat, interestingly enough, you know so I started Microsoft from my very first day I'm there, I've done training, and I already you know and yet I will say you know earlier on, I think a lot of us experience this over our lives, which is you have that imposter syndrome, like oh my gosh, well, how am I actually here right and um, so you go through that experience and the first day after our training and they, you know, I'm supposed to do these support calls and they get me on the line. Uh, and they, somebody tells me it's, it's your first day we have this customer, he's a little difficult, but it's simple it's something that takes a person five minutes to explain but you may have you may spend 45 minutes with him. Uh, but we just need somebody to do it you don't need to figure out our tools we just need you to be able to have a conversation. Long story short, the person uh, on the call uh, threatens to commit suicide. So let's just say my, oh my. first day on the job, um, I end up staying on the phone for eight hours. And I will tell you after that, it's been a, you know, it's one of those, like they tested me day one and I was ready. Wow. <laughs> so I realized, regardless of my background, that concept of people skills and understanding people and staying calm and knowing how to work through Whatever is thrown at you and accepting it and taking advantage of the opportunity to learn and grow, I think has served me extremely well in my career and it's kind of helped me.
1: Well, it sounds like based on your first big test that there's two things that that um, two things you possess, and, and that's got to be patience and empathy.
0: Right, and it's you know it's funny you say that empathy. Right, it's come a long way. I'd say in today's world, you know, showing empathy, uh, demonstrating vulnerability is actually a sign of leadership, but back then it, is, it wasn't, right? And you underestimate the value of it. And so I'll say it's it's come a long way, but I'm I'm hundred percent with you, which is I think that, you know, that balance of, um, you know, I've grown up with this notion of I've been taught to kindness goes a long way. And a big part of that, as you said, is, you know, that patience, empathy, and showing up matters. And for that to be something that, you know, ha- I had to be able to put into, you know, action, on my you know first official day of working, I'd say kind of validated for me that those skills matter more you know, as much as your education.
1: And, and you know you you mentioned about <clears throat> empathy and vulnerability equals leadership and and, and before it didn't because and in, in in today it equals bravery. Where before that was a sign of weakness, right? It, it went from weakness to now I'm brave. I'm being compassionate, vulnerable with with our team. you have to be brave to do that. Hmm. Interesting. Um. So, I was curious on on your aha moment, and what I mean by that is, you know, uh, culture seems to be a, a also a, a an interesting topic, and and people are are it can be divisive. Some it's almost like religion in some cases. Uh, it can be like politics, and, and and what I mean by that is some people think that you know you should have a culture where you empower folks and and um treat people really well and then others think look we pay we pay people and it's command and control and that's that's the environment here and and in some cases there's no right or wrong but my question is when did you have an aha moment to say look culture's got to be important and uh, that that you decided to really lean into that and of course you play a huge role today but you must have had that thought at some point
0: yeah so so i will say for me and this is you know, I'll, I'll speak to kind of the shifts at Microsoft and kind of where that further validation came in. Um, many years ago, I, you know, I was asked to take on uh, an organization for Microsoft and I played a huge role in introducing IT service management uh, into the company. We, we spent a lot of time on uh, doing, you know, consulting deliveries. From a technical standpoint but that three-legged stool of people process and technology really need to come together when you're talking about solutions uh you know is super critical and so as i established this new organization and you know we it required me to you know collapse a couple of businesses that had existed in the before that were kind of doing their own thing had had their own leadership in the past and then here i am this random new person you know, a lot of them, I'd say, you know, question more of. She's too young, you know. Then there's my height that doesn't help anybody with, you know, not being so tall. <laughs> and then I think, and then I will say, as a female also coming in, and the business, you know, was predominantly male. Like, you know, I think I could literally count on one hand the number of women that were in the organization. So then you have wow. that that whole mix of it, and everyone's waiting for you to to see what happens. Let me put it that way. Right?
1: You really had imposter syndrome. Yeah. I did. Right. <laughs> I did
0: a lot come a long way yes (laughs) so um, but I will say so you know going into an organization like that I think was the first time I realized everybody had you know because we collapsed all these businesses and and as a leader coming in it was one of those realizations of everyone defined their what culture meant to them very differently I'd say you know amongst that whole organization I could ask you know 20 different people that Easily get twenty different versions of culture. yeah yeah.
1: Share what what were some of the do you remember what what were some of the the, the versions of that what did what, what were some of the answers?
0: Well, it's interesting. So some of them defined it as we you know for, for us culture is about being you know the best business in the organization. Half the time in my mind I'm thinking half people don't even know who you guys are. But great, that's their culture. Then you had somebody else that was saying it's about feeling like we are independent and we're different uh, to. Individuals saying culture was about learning. Uh, others had it as, you know, for me, the culture is about I have flexibility in how I work. Uh, you know, so it, culture meant different things to different people and how they viewed it.
1: And, Bhavna, did they have, did Microsoft, you know, 20 years ago, did they have a set of values? You know, I'm, I'm trying to visually, you know, if I was an employee, was I onboarded with the five distinct values? Were they on the wall or not?
0: So back then as a company, and it's it's interesting because I remember even printing all these out. We had values, right? And I think they were, if I remember right, and don't quote me on this particular one, but-
1: We will not quote you on this.
0: You know, there was 10 different values, but they weren't really ingrained into- Mm. We had the values of the company. You had, you know, Microsoft's mission back then. And then every organization- was starting to define their own set of values. So it wasn't one of those like, let's we should all embrace, you know, the values that are up there. And it was, you know, everything you could kind of relate to and connect to. So it wasn't some values that were, you know, that you couldn't align with. It was more people, people felt like additional values were important. Right. Adding stuff to the list. And 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 then you also take the mix of, you know, culturally as a company where we were, you know, the more complex things sounded, the you know, the bigger the, the buzzword or corporate jargon we tended to use, the, the you know, the belief system that you were the business that mattered, right? And in my, you know, simple world of how I operate, things just need to be simple. And I, I, I've had this tagline when I first became a manager on this whole basic concept of simplify, you integrate, you don't have to solve all the solutions by yourself. You partner with others well. And everything should lead to growth, whether it's business growth, your own personal growth, whatever it is you're working towards growth. And I will say, you know, trying to get this organization to embrace that was a great, was a great learning experience for me. And the one that I would say, um, I'm super proud of and to this day, and hopefully some of these folks are listening to our podcast, um, is I still keep up with those folks where they have such fond memories of going through that experience of defining the culture we needed for that business you know, looking at it in the lens of where we really aspirationally wanted to get to, not something we wanted to settle for. Um, Oh, I
1: love that. Where we want to get to, not something we want to settle for. Right.
0: And and being able to know that we are empowered to make that change, right? Like we were not such a large organization. I think we were about 150 or 200 people. And for them to feel like in this huge company at Microsoft and we sat, in, you know, in our services organization, that they felt like we could do that and we could all be proud of it. And so to go through that experience of driving that shift, you know, as I mentioned, there were not a lot of women in the organization. We didn't have uh, people that were early in career because they assumed this was a organization that could only have experienced individuals with so many years of experience. You know, kind of all of this random criteria that somehow got created, or these unwritten rules that nobody seemed to know how you know why we did it. It was great to see that once we established the culture, who we wanted to be seen as, and we started actually shifting how we did business, you know, and it wasn't something that it was just, it was starting from the top down. It really was about, you know, leadership. You know, when I talk about culture for me, culture is, it starts with leadership. The culture really needs to be driven bottom bottom up. I really need to make sure end to end everyone in the business understood what the culture is. We were aligned. Um, and I even remember getting up on stage, you know, when we were kind of really landing this and getting everybody excited, because we worked through a lot of it and it took us months to get there. And to be able to say, hey, this is the culture we aspire to. These are the values that are important to us. And one of the things, even back then, I had introduced humility, um, you know, from a hiring standpoint. And I'd say today at Microsoft, that's, you know, critical back then, Everyone looked at you have to hire the smartest person. Like, how does humility fit into this thing? And I used to tell them, like, that's like my, you know, I have four non negotiables, and humility was one of it, which is if we're trying to create an environment where people aren't going to be worried about who gets the credits about getting the job done and we do it together, it goes a long way. And I can't teach somebody to be, you know, humble, you know, knowing that something in how they work, maybe, you know, I mean, now over time, people are saying you can get there but that common understanding of let's bring in the right players so we can all do this together. Cause we've got a lot of change and shift to drive. If we need to accelerate the business, you know, it's, it's something we need. And I stood up on stage and said, this is who we are. Now you have a choice, right? Either you want to be a part of this culture. And if you don't, there's nothing wrong about that either, but that's, a that's choice right you get to make because you have clarity. And so the importance of defining culture and taking time um, I'd say netting it out on what are you trying to do when it comes to culture? Are you trying to uh, drive a shift in regards to to how the business is done? Are you doing it, you know, based on your aspirational goal as a company? Are you, you know, trying to define your culture based on, you know, what matters to employees, to the environment, to the line of business that you may be in, right? Whatever that is, you've got to take the time to do it. It isn't something you can do overnight.
1: And so, <clears throat> I was going to ask you about the transformation. You're getting into this. There were some big transformations here, and were, we're did, did these happen? Um, and that seems to be what you're talking about—one big shift. But did these happen when you got to certain scale, or what? What kind of forced transformation? If you look back over the last 20 years, what were the pivotal things that forced us to say, "Wow, it's time to make a change again"? You know, today, I think, you know, with things that have happened, especially in the United States, and I think from George. Floyd, you know, this this transformation of of diversity, inclusivity, you know, that, that there seems to be a tr- transformation again, you know, what, what what did you see in the past? What what had happened to the business that, okay, we need to kind of go back to the drawing board a little bit on culture? So
0: maybe, maybe this may be something I can talk about it from the context of Microsoft. So I think that would be cool sure. because I think it nets it out based on with us all being in the midst of a pandemic, companies being forced to really drive transformation and change. Um, And and I'll say these relate because it, you know, as I mentioned, I was going through that organizational change. I think a lot of these pillars kind of reflect today as well when I kind of, so Microsoft obviously third CEO 40 years into the company. um, And I think everyone had that true understanding and recognition of what got us there, you know in the past 40 years is definitely not not what's gonna take us in the next, you know, 40 or more. Um, And also we had already hit that period of time you know, in our uh, economy and market where you can be in one day and out the next day. You know, that we that whole, yes, you know, what social media kind of really drove that, you know, significant shift. I think all of that happened around the same time. And so Microsoft took some time to really, you know, and with Satya coming in at the end of the day when, when the new leader always comes change and transformation regardless. That's but right. what I appreciated was how they approached it. And one of it was they looked at and why should we evolve as a company? So we did a little bit of research on that front. And the things that we looked at is, you know, what were the workforce trends? So we started with it from a people standpoint. And as they were looking at it, well, just a couple of things, I know some of my data is gonna be a little bit dated because this was from when we started the process, but the data showed that, um, you know, earlier when we were competing for talent, you know, we'd assume that our you know, competitors were always the other big tech companies. And as we were in the midst of you know, the fourth industrial revolution, which is now categorized as digital transformation, tech talent or digital talent, you know, the competition was everybody. Because every company, regardless of industry, needed tech talent. And then we also started to realize that when we looked at uh, the trending, you know, I think uh, and I'm going to say with the pandemic, obviously I don't think it's a 10 year plan, but you know, 70, 75% of the jobs were going to change in under 10 years. Like what you were hired to do is definitely, I'm gonna say, let's just say that's been accelerated forward. So everything you did two years ago is obviously not applicable today. And then you also take the next generation. So you have your millennials and your Gen Ys that have all started in the workplace. And I think by, you know, two, two, which is like four years from now, um, 75% of the workforce right. Is millennials, right? And then yep. you already, you know, Gen Ys coming in. And a lot of just looking at the understanding of that generation, a lot of it is around, it's not just about money, it's about um, purpose, it's about mission, it's about um, understanding that you feel like you're actually making a difference, not only for your company, but globally as well, and what matters uh, in the marketplace and in the world around us. And then we also looked at, you know, how do we uh, really keep up with the ability for us to drive innovation. And so, as a company, there's things that we did great before, but how do we, uh, you know, this whole concept of how do we take the brainpower of everybody together and work with the collective, that whole concept of the collective genius, like how do we, how do we, you know, activate that? And so, I think they realized our differentiator in the market really was going to be culture. Like that's going to be what Microsoft wanted to bet on.
1: And when to, was that? When, If you think about when when was that? Was that a no, change of leadership? When was it like, okay, boom, this is yeah, where no, we need to focus on.
0: came into his role in 2014. Fourteen, yeah. That he only announced this in 2015. So I would say this whole, that our process, actually, to, you know, honestly, if I kind of quote it factually, it took us nine months for them to come to this decision on, here's what we'd like, you know, all right. We, we decided on culture. All right. So now that we've made that decision for us to actually let it out and simplify it. And as I mentioned, mm-hmm. we didn't want 20, you know, yes, we can aspire to something, but if we didn't provide, you know, that clarity, right. We had back then, I think it was about a uh, 120 employees. I think we're about 144 right now, uh, 144,000 employees right now. But back then just looking at that, you know, we were across a hundred Ninety different countries, uh, and you're a pretty large organization. So, how do you get that large of an audience to understand, you know, culture and have that clarity right off the bat? And so, to do that, they um, it took them nine months.
1: Yeah. So, so, what are some of the things you did? I'm I'm so curious. How do you do that?
0: Right, so, so I'll just go, some of this is just Babna's uh, consultative brain, but I'm just going to walk you through kind of yeah, please. It, right. Is you needed to do research right? And I, I'll talk through each of these and kind of what we really did. There's the research component of understanding the landscape, some of which I already shared with you. Then it's about defining it. Like, so when you want to define it, are you, you can use so many words and people love the, you know, buzzwords are a thing, you know, these days, right? So, but how do you want to truly define it? What matters and how do we go about doing it? Then the next thing is before you even go roll it out, you got to get buy-in, you know? So who, who would you get buy-in from? Like, how do you go through that process? It's kind of like you know any program you want to roll out.
1: You need your champions from frontline yeah, leaders, everyone, right?
0: And you're gonna test the waters, and then finally be ready to declare it, right? Like, so this is kind of your that life cycle, if I kind of call it, of how we'd go about driving any kind of shift from a cultural perspective. It was the same thing, right? So they began with you know research both internally. And also externally, like how was Microsoft perceived? And and there are, I mean, there's a ton of stuff I could talk about, but we we have like 10 lessons learned going through the process. But if I just net out the initial piece of how do we even, how do we go about even getting to defining our culture? Understanding how we showed up internally and externally and what were people saying? What were they proud of, not proud of? Let's just get all that on the table. The next piece of what they did was, you know, we, they created what we call, um, a culture cabinet. And so what they started with is they, they brought in, you know, um, experienced, you know, leaders from outside, you know, uh, Carol Dwick, who wrote, you know, the mindset book, like brought her in directly because Satya was reading about a growth mindset and he had already kind of made a decision on that's fundamentally the right place for us to go when we look at how we showed up in the market, how we show up in the market. So really shifting from that know-it-all culture to a learn-it-all culture and and having that ability to learn and grow in the market and not have that, you know, end point of your journey, because that's never going to get there in the market that we're in. So really being able to shift how we continue to grow and learn through the process and evolve and show up better and better. And that's going to help from an innovation standpoint. It was a huge piece of work that needed to get done. So bringing her in, um, they brought in prior leaders from within Microsoft, and then they really set out to, you know, his biggest thing was he needed, he wanted to be able to land on something that was simple, which I, to me, I love because that's a big part of, you know, absolutely I something that was strategic, like the vision had to have a really strong strategic vision and really build on kind of what Microsoft at its core used to be about, you know, when we had Bill Gates. And so they talked to about 180 of our corporate vice presidents. They broke them out into these 17 teams to really form what we called culture cabinets. It all had different components associated to it. Um, They um, got employees across the board. I participated in a couple of these going through the process and it was great where they really wanted to know, they tested it out, they kind of got, your input and take as they were thinking through it, like what's, what words sounded good, you know, from an employee standpoint. And then they landed finally, and then you said something about, um, you know, it's a worldwide audience. So we can't just cater to a US market. Like what does it mean culturally? across, You know, to me, I'd say that was a big thing for me on that diversity and inclusion being made real and really seeing them taking it to that extent as they were defining it, was huge, right? Like they gained feedback from all of those employee focus groups. And then they finally shared it with external groups to get reactions as well. So I'd say all of that went into when they finally said, well, it's about a growth mindset and com- as a company culture, as we've defined our mis- mission, that we're gonna be customer obsessed. We're going to be extremely diverse and inclusive. And then based on all of the challenges that we had as Microsoft in the past, we will show up as one Microsoft. And so- it's-
1: when, when you land, and I love this process, but when you landed there, did was there? You know, was it a what do you call it? Moses with the red sea? Did some people say, "Look, I wasn't part of this. I didn't agree with that. Diversity inclusion is not important to me. I'm not. I don't want to be obsessed with the customer. I'm out of here." Did that happen?
0: So I'm, I'm sure it did. I'm just going to say, I think the way he did it. I think Satya is, himself as a leader is just amazing. Like it, there is, you know, if you you know if you heard him speak. He's extremely calm and is a person that you want to wanna hear what he has to yeah, say.
1: Very calm energy. He's, he's just, you know, yeah, absolutely. I've not seen him in person, but saw lots of content online.
0: And so when you, I think the thing that I think was well appreciated and well received was how much time that was invested by Satya and his leadership, his direct reports on really talking about, their thought process behind how they landed on these three things, what was important, you know, sh- you know, sharing the story about the investments that were made within the company to really, you know, come down to these three core, you know, uh, you know, things, and then the fundamental of a growth mindset, like why were we shifting as a company from this know-it-all, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, only focused on us to really thinking about being those learners. Showing up together, being okay, and willing to take risk. I think that was a huge part. I will say, the concept of um, you know, fail fast that we say, and we want people to take risks, but then everyone's like, yeah, but if I take a risk and actually fail, who's going to help me? And I will say, for me, the one that stood out the most, and in two thousand, I think this was around in two thousand fifteen as well, or maybe the latter part of that year. I think everyone heard it. Everyone, it, it was very different. I think people appreciate it but at the end of the day what people did people think that the culture was really changing they were like you know i i will say there were those individuals that that's great that's how satya is doing and that's some of his direct reports but my immediate leadership is definitely still doing things the old way
1: way. right
0: right um or you know or it was still a culture where people weren't really happy in the organizations that they could have been in and I will say the thing that made a huge difference, or at least for me, was I don't know if you've heard of the the Tay chatbot that we had. No, no. The Tay, is, uh, and I don't think a lot of folks do, but for, I will just say, as an employee, this this was huge for me. Um, so Microsoft had I can't remember the name of the chatbot, but had rolled out this chatbot in China uh, to learn AI. So it's an AI-based learning model, and this was you know back then.
1: Is it around 2016, too, roughly?
0: So it'll be 2015, 2016 as well. And, you know, China, it was about 40 million people. Um, It was very successful. So our research and development team figured, all right, let's create this chatbot called Tate to communicate with, you know, individuals of the age range of 18 to 24. Twitter had just been out. So they figured, let's just go down the path and roll it out.
1: But Bobna, is this for, for, sorry, I just want to be clear. This is just for customers or not? This is a chat bot for internal staff no, this members.
0: for customers. Customers,
1: okay, because okay, you said 18. Okay, yeah.
0: Yeah, so it was 18 and 24. So it was kind of one of those like, let's learn through casual conversations on you know what's happening in the world around us. Well, let's just say some extremely smart people decided it was funny. So within 24 hours of our launch, um, they actually exposed some issues with the bot and they taught it, uh, to be to, nasty. Yes, and to, to so what happened was so you, now you take that scenario. Um, so obviously the uh, you know the head of Microsoft Research had to issue an apology. Mike, you know Satya had to issue an apology, and in a normal world, in most companies, that would have led to what? That would have led to a bunch of people being fired. Yeah, I just kind of call it what it is, right? The, what happened actually at Microsoft suck it like in under 24 hours with everybody working through all the apologies and all the stuff that needed to get done. Um, he actually sent an email directly to the developers himself. He didn't wait for, you know, that leadership or anything. He sent something. And what he said was, he said, you know, I understand that there, you know, Whatever the chat bot did, you know, we need to express empathy to the people that were impacted because of the bot. But he said, but at the same time, I want all of you to keep pushing and know that I'm with you and let's keep learning and improve and see what we can do better.
1: So I, I support what happened. He's saying, I, I support this was the right thing to do. We made it, you know, sure, the outcome didn't wasn't the result we we're looking for. We own it. I own it. But this was, this was the right thing to do to test this.
0: Correct. Right. But that was such a powerful message. Now, it wasn't publicly shared with the company. It you know, went directly to those individuals. And I will say, for me, having heard that story you know, around that point in time was amazing just to know that when he, he talked about a growth mindset, he said, this is what we want to be able to do. And this is what drives innovation. And if you think about being those employees that were proud of the launch you know, 24 hours ago, and then you're in this, oh, I have my job, right? Uh, right after, to having a leader at his level show up, directly acknowledge these employees, you know, tell them how to coach them on how to work through this, you know, quote unquote, the, what they'd categorize as a failure, right? And really learn from it and show up differently. And I will say that significantly helped what's come after that, and the importance of securing AI.
1: Yeah, because you're right, because if he had played a different hand, if he had a said, oh, Fired, fired, fired. Someone we we need a scapegoat here, the whole thing would have crumbled.
0: Right. And even if he hadn't said anything, like if he had just been right, right, let the whatever, you know, let that own leadership team kind of do whatever they thought was right, it would have still been different. I think this is where for me, when it comes to culture one, leadership matters, right? You've got to talk, you know, as much as you're talking, you've got to walk the walk. I kind of say that the whole notion of the video and audio need to be aligned or mm-hmm. it doesn't really work. Yes. So whichever you define your culture and do it, if you don't show up and you don't model what you're expecting, um, I don't, I, you know, it, it's gonna have its own challenges.
1: Because the, the words are BS, it's the actions. And his actions said, no, this is safe to fail. This is a safe place. And, and I'm, I'm gonna back up you know, all this research, all the things that we talked about. And I think those three things were diversity, inclusion, um, uh, you had customer
0: uh, obsessed in one Microsoft,
1: one Microsoft, and customer obsessed with um an overlay growth mindset, right? Yeah. So he really backed that up with his actions. That's that's interesting. And so I want to go back for a sec. Once it's land, you've landed on these three pillars, whatever you want to call them, values. Let's talk about the execution that had to be, you know, challenging because of course you're trying to keep things simple. Hundred and I don't know how many employees you would have had at the time, hundred fifty thousand plus or minus. How did you execute that? Too, I'm in Germany and I'm a you know technician or not technician. I guess I'm a coder. I don't know what I am. So how, how do I how do I get that message now? How, what were some of the tools? What are the strategies you used to say, okay, we've done our cabinet exercise, we feel comfortable. Boom, let's move. And, and of course, it's not overnight. But talk us through that a little bit.
0: Yeah. So. Um, so let's so let's getting to the landing, right? So as we went through this process of this cultural change, I think we've kind of talked about there's like 10 things we've kind of learned through the process, right? Yes. I talked a little bit about, you know, kind of how we uh, why we chose to evolve, you know, keeping things simple and that, you know, you, you've got to show up. Um the purpose-driven culture and mission catered to the audience is that we we did it very intentionally, where you know, when we say we want to empower every person and organization on the planet to do more right it's it's a very bold statement and i and huge empowerment in different factors and in our scenario really what it boiled boiled down to if i simplify it right it was about with the right tools anybody and any organization can can do what they want right and i think that's we've learned now you know with the, with social media and the ability of people having access to information to set them up, to take their ideas to that next level, a lot of people have been able to do things that historically would have taken a lot more resources. So if, I think we've, we've, we've already in that world today. Um, a couple of things specific to what you asked, right? Like, so how do you get companies to believe in it? You know, you want to make symbolic changes big and small. And I think I kind of talked about a couple of examples. We did change our, I'd say the one, Big one for a company like Microsoft was a performance model, like how we actually uh, reviewed up talent, like what did you know talent management look like, and how did employees feel through that process? So how do you help employees when we're telling everybody it's a learn it all culture, and we want you to take risk, we want you to learn and grow in any every opportunity you are, and we want you to take time to reflect on the things that didn't go well and learn from it. How do you do that? and have a reward system that doesn't cater to it. So they changed the whole system. And to me, the big piece about that was, you know, they evaluated people not only on how they drove, you know, impact, right? It wasn't about actions and activities because if you could get something done quickly and you could come up with a really smart way of doing it, they focused on the outcome. They didn't focus on, did you put in 20 hours to do it? If you got it done in two, you know, great for you, right? Um, And then they also focused on how did you actually help other people? And did you actually even leverage the work of others? Because everybody wanted to be that hero mentality is kind of where what we created at Microsoft. And you know, that concept of when we say one Microsoft, how do we- And, show and,
1: and inclusion, right? And this also, and right?
0: Spot on, right? Um, and so that was a big change. And, you know, there were many changes posted as well. The other thing that we did was we wanted employees to talk because I talked about that, you know, culture needs to be driven bottom up. Earlier on, uh, right when we rolled out culture, you know, so they talked about it in many forms. Even to this day, we still talk about these same things. And here we are, I guess, close to you know, almost five, six years, you know, since it started. And but earlier on, he, we did so many forums of engaging employees. We wanted employees to talk about, kind of, to your point, their reaction to this culture that we had established and what did it mean to them. You know, were they excited, weren't they excited? And we let them post it leveraging, you know, Yammer leveraging, you know, our team's chat capability to really talk and even through email, like they wanted to hear and they wanted, they, we created these um, conversational forums within each country, within each business for people to spend more time talking about it. And we really equipped and enabled and invested in our, our you know, frontline managers. I think we underestimate you know leadership can say what they want but if my immediate manager isn't aligned you know
1: that'll he, be the biggest bottleneck they'll either they'll either really be an in, they're they're influencers i'm either going to block what's coming down and i've got my own agenda and here we go or i'm going to or i'm really going to lean into that that's you know we see a lot of
0: that right and so the this importance of and, and i say this from a change management standpoint as well you know sometimes we spend so much time in the strategy what we want to land and what we want to roll out and the people that are impacted we we sometimes the most common mistake or the thing that we tend to overlook at least based on my historical experience prior to some of these changes is we underestimate how critical that front layer of management is right. that and and i will say so one of the first things satya did was he did this huge investment and i want to say it was like globally 16000 managers really invested in that manager ecosystem around putting together these 10-minute, um, you know, manager, um, uh, and I, I've got to remember, but it was like these manager packet, like things that they would get out, which would talk about culture. Like it took each pieces of culture and broke it down further. We used to have what we call these management excellence community sessions, and it was led by, you know, people within the field. It was, you know, so it was like you, you, it, you it was a community-based led effort, but it was a little bit more content and information came from corporate. So you had the resources, but you made it what you wanted. And I will tell you for about two to three years in, since we had rolled it out, we took every concept and we spent three months taking that one little concept and breaking it down further and further and talking through what does it mean to, you know, that person individually so treating that manager first as an employee. And then kind of how can they lead through that process? How do they model the behavior? How do they help employees you know, make the shift or not make the shift if they don't want to, like, how do we enable everybody to feel um, included, you know, in this yeah. whole process? And I will say that was huge for us.
1: It sounds like it was a re-onboarding with, with hey, there's, you know, you, you can participate, but this information session sounds like, hey, we need to re-onboard staff members that have been here for one, two, three, four, five, ten, twenty 10, 20 years based on this new uh, philosophy. Um, and it's incredible that that um, also the time was spent on frontline leaders. I love that. But but one thing that I'm curious of, this is a huge project. I mean, it it feels like and uh, sounds like with large enterprise companies that these cultural shifts were huge undertakes. It's the biggest change management project. That's because it touches every human. It's the biggest. It's not just hey, we're going from uh, Yammer to Teams. You know, this is this is huge. Um, it, it, it feels like that there was a decision that was made from a strategic standpoint that resources are going to be put into this cultural transformation versus growth. At, like, at some point, something's got to give. And so, hey, everyone's going to, every minute we're spending here, we're not spending it, uh, you know, expanding Microsoft or whatever that is. It sounds like a strategic effort to say, let's fix the foundation or enhance the foundation. Would that be correct?
0: Yes, uh, but I will say something that you said, because this, uh, this is uh, super important to me, right? When you ask somebody to take on, every, there's a finite number of hours in a day for a person. Yeah. Time is, you know, finite. And so when you add something on or you want somebody to focus on something, you really do need to give them a space, you know, or make room, you know. We, we don't do a good job of it. So I will say... While the company went through transformation and change, um, since Satya came in, I will say it took us, you know, I'm in the sales organization right now and, you know, our president who's come in, Kate has done an amazing job. She's been here for a while, but it has taken her some cycles to really push that change into the sales business as well.
1: Let me play that back for you. Are you saying, and maybe I'm getting this wrong, but that when you say space, it's look, Ron, your job is to do A, B, and C, but now we're asking you to also do this. And so you're saying maybe there was some conflicts in, in, you know, I need some space to do that. I'm going to have to give up some of ABC or not focus. My, we'll have to, you know, reduce the performance or requirements or expectations because I need to do this.
0: Well, no, it's, it's basically this concept of, you know, people love saying this and I'm always like, sure. I, we, we, nobody would actually do it in reality, but they, the, they use the analogy of, we've got to build a plane while we're flying it. How many people will right. as a plane as it's being if it's not fully built? We know that won't really happen, right? But that analogy is used all the time. So when you look at it from a people standpoint, from an employee standpoint, that's a really tough place to be as the employee, which is, hey, somebody wanted us to strategically change the vision. You want me to start shifting what I do, but at the same time, you haven't changed my metrics, my numbers, and you still need me to deliver on those and more because every year nobody goes backwards, right? We don't, you know, come up with a new strategy and say, hey, our numbers are going to go down. You, your aspiration is going to look to grow. And so I'd say that the organization at least, and I'm only speaking from just having been on this side of the house, the sales organization that was the toughest group to be able to really embrace this change and transformation and, you know, go through the cycles of being responsible for driving sales for Microsoft. And so I think the organization, we've taken a lot of effort now, and I'd say it's been amazing to see the transformation and shift now in the sales organization where we've really embraced what it means to be in a cloud-based model, like really having your historical sellers really understand and engage in what it means to sell in the cloud, what it means to really enable customers to innovate versus kind of how we used to show up as Microsoft before, which is here's what I have to offer you. And this is what I'm trying to sell you, right? Like changing that approach to let's understand your business. Let's help you us. Let's take the time to figure out what we need to do to help you innovate in your business. And then we will meet you there. I and mean, that's a big shift to kind of fundamentally make when, you know, people are compensated a different way. And so those adjustments and shifts, that's why I say you have to make big changes and little changes to kind of mm-hmm. add this up. And so it, like I said, so now experiencing, having had the experience of seeing the change in services to being a part of the sales organization of the last four years and seeing this huge transformation. And, you know, one of the things you said, which was super important, at the end of the day, this impacts people. And so how are you showing up with empathy as leaders in recognizing what they're going through? You know, you want to be able to, and the pace of change is crazy right now, like, and you know, COVID's put it in overdrive. And so if I just look at this past year, you know, as a company, Microsoft had to make a decision, you know, as we, as you know, we, the solutions we provide became super critical in the midst of COVID. And so, you know, we needed people to step up. We needed people to be able to do more to cater to our customer and market. And we, we had to make some, you know, strategic decisions within the company and changes that we needed to do to better serve our customer base. And also, better equip the employees to be able to work better in a tighter collaboration so that they could deliver more without feeling like it was just on their shoulder.
1: I was just thinking, you know, because that that one bucket is customer obsessed, right? The, the word obsessed is in there. Now obsessed is out there. Obsessed is, is it's not like customer focus, it's obsessed. That's going to pull in a different direction that's got to be a tough juggle between one Microsoft obsessed the with the word obsessed, because that really is, you know, that, that's a strong word. That's got to be a tough juggle to say, okay, I need to be, you know, one Microsoft, we need to be inclusive, make sure we've got a diverse team and an inclusive, but we've got to be obsessive over here.
0: Yeah. And you're right. So it's that fine line, right? Like what gives and gets. And I think what we've learned now is when it all comes together and, you know, and, and again, I think, We've done a good job of providing clarity around the words because you're right. obsessed could mean different things in different capacities. I think in our world of it, it really is about everything we do needs to have a customer lens because a lot of companies tend to make strategic decisions, and and I you know we've been part of that same. I, I you know having been through our three CEOs, there have been periods of time where we know the strategy or the, the focus is very internally focused on, hey, we need you to do X, Y, and Z. We need you to sell something because this is how it's going to accelerate our number. But is it the right, like, do you have the ability to look at, but is this the right thing for my customer? So for example, if I supported a customer and they did a significant investment in Microsoft already, and our role right now is to set them up for success in their own growth, but now you're going to tell me you still need to sell them. You know, We need to see another 20% growth in that customer. How do you juggle the right balance? Whereas now Microsoft's focus really is about everything we decide strategically, is it right for our customers? So it's not just the customer, you know, looking it's a check at
1: checking balance.
0: There's always a balance. Like the customer is as important to us in every decision at the table. It's kind of that concept of, you know, when you're making a strategic we're talking about our people, we're talking about our company strategy, and we're also talking about you <laughs> <The> customer. <laughs> customer, right? Like they're, they're part of that conversation, whether they're Mm. physically present or not. And that was the intent behind it from our end. But yes.
1: Incredible. Uh, Bhavna, I've so enjoyed this conversation. Is there anything that you didn't get to talk about that you thought, geez, this is, this is interesting or something that, that we didn't cover today.
0: So I'd say the, um, if I kind of net it out, kind of. I love that you
1: say net it out, by the way, I'm going to steal that from you. I really like that (laughs) saying.
0: So we talk about why culture is important. You've got to know, you know, keeping it simple and clear. I'd say when you talk about scaling, you know, uh, you know, culture and, and transformation as well in today's market because it's super critical. Every company is going to go through this whether you like it or not, right? I think there's a fundamental pieces that I always tell folks like you just got to keep it in mind, like and these these should be your non-negotiables, right? Culture matters, but it you know leadership matters as well. So we need to make sure everything aligns you've got to make in the midst of everything going on around us, keep things with well, your strategy or vision, keep it simple and clear, invest in change management and adoption. I know we didn't get to talk about that, but we underestimate the importance of it's not about just launching your strategy and kicking it off. We spent a lot of time talking about post when Satya came out and you know talked about his cultural shift. It's taken us years and years of follow through, and we're still on that journey to really hold us accountable, to see the shifts that we needed, we need to see at all levels.
1: Right, it's not one and done. It's not boom, we've executed, we can now focus over here. This is a constant is what you're saying.
0: Correct. And then we don't forget your frontline managers, enable them, let them lead for you and they will help you accelerate it. Show empathy in everything you're doing and, and make it actionable so people know what to do. And then this is one where it's, Microsoft, I think we underestimated earlier, but I think it's super important. I think you asked me about it is let technology work for you. You'll be amazed on how much insights um, you can capture from technology with regards to understanding the market to tracking behavioral shifts and changes that you need to see within your uh, companies to know that the change that you're looking to make or the transformation that you're looking to land is actually happening the way you expect it to and you have clarity behind it. So that would be how I would net it out.
1: That feels like a mic drop. <laughs> I mean, that was like a mic drop. That was beautiful. Well, look, thank you. I, uh, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I love your energy. Even your energy says that you work for a company you really um, enjoy. And so that even the energy speaks to the culture, which is great. It's got to be a proud moment. Um, thanks so much for, uh, joining me today. I've enjoyed the conversation. I look forward to speaking to you again and and keeping in touch.
0: Sounds good. Thanks again, Ron. Thanks, Bhavna. For more information about Bhavna or anything else related to scaling culture, please visit the show description for details. And if you're enjoying the scaling culture podcast, please subscribe. We'll be back next week with another incredible guest.